Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami. Guest speaker, preacher, Santiago Ramirez. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Santiago. Santi, Sans for short. Um, one of the members here at Reconciled Church Miami. And I am deeply privileged to be part of this community, to be part of this congregation. Man, ever since I stepped foot into Aldo's home, which was how I met him, um, in a small group um, setting, I felt wonderfully small, and I was thrilled, and still am. I was just amazed and just baffled, really, by how amazing our God is by how huge, by how beautiful, by how good he is towards me. I, I mean, in that, in, that, in that moment, I was just like, personally, me, like, you know me, wow. But not just me, but all of us. So um, I want to thank you guys for being here this morning. I've been given the privilege and the task of, you know, uh, opening up the word and hopefully chopping it up straight, you know. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit more... Urban, if you would. <laughs> and please, as as I'm as I'm trying to engage you, I'm 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 extremely like nervous right now because it's been difficult these past few weeks. Though it was a few weeks to be able to study, it was I didn't. It's just been difficult for me. So please bear with me, pray for me. I plead with you because I don't I don't want to say something that is from me. Okay, so um, um, we're gonna be in First Thessalonians chapter two, uh, verses one through nine. First Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through nine. Um, um, I say that a lot. All right, so this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, obviously. And this is kind of a, a weird passage for me because, you know, it's, it's very almost, it's not filled with this, oh, this great, oh, this happened and this happened and oh, and all this amazing stuff. You know, so it was kind of difficult. So trying to navigate through all of this. But then I figured when I started looking into it a little bit more, I was like, wow, this, this is loaded with stuff. This is loaded. And, I, and I've, I've titled this, um, this sermon, Gospel Ministers. Gospel Ministers, not, not just preachers, because any, you know, like I was talking to my pastor the other, just, I, just yesterday, actually, to Pastor Aldo, and, and um, we were conversating, and one of the things that came up was like, yo, you know, anybody can get up on a pulpit, behind a pulpit and preach. Anybody can get up there and talk. But it's not about you know, just preaching, because you can preach, but not necessarily preach the gospel. You can minister, but not necessarily minister the gospel. You can say many things, but not necessarily speak the gospel. See, but the one thing that we are founded on, that we are grounded in, that we are anchored in, that we are, like, held by, that held up by, really, is the gospel. And that's what you know, we, uh, 
what I want to really talk about this morning, and this is what this passage has to deal with, really. You know, um, if I can just jump in. It says for, um, in, in verse 1, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. Right off the bat, it says, For you yourselves know. You know what? What do you know? That his visit with the Thessalonians wasn't without result. Basically, if we go back before Paul, before Paul ministered to the Thessalonians, he was at Philippi. And before that, Paul wanted to go to Asia, but it's like the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go to these areas, you know, and goodness, here we go. He wanted to go preach the gospel to these places, but something impeded him. God wouldn't allow him to go there, you know. So as they passed by, so as they passed by Mysia and then they, they went to Troas, you know, that's where he had a vision of this man or a dream, really, you know, of this man, of this Macedonian man begging him, pleading him, yo, come over here, help us, help us. We need your help. So he instantly knew that that's a calling from God. That was God saying to him, you know, I got to go. You got to go to Macedonia. So he's like, I got to go there. Let's go. So, so they go to Samothrace. I think that's how you pronounce that. And then Neapolis. And then they finally land in Philippi where, you know, they meet Lydia and she gets, she gets saved and she opens her doors to, you know, Paul and Timothy. And as they were headed to, to prayer one morning, there's this girl that's possessed. You know, the Bible calls it, she had a spirit of prediction. You know, she kept saying, she kept bothering them, basically hollering behind them and repeatedly saying, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. I mean, not false. <laughs> but Paul got annoyed by it. Turn around and like... Get out of her in Christ's name, and demon runs out, right? So her owners, as the Bible portrays that she was a slave, um, her owners, her masters kind of just get mad because they see that they no longer have any more business. So basically, they were using this poor girl to uh, be like a fortune teller for people, predict the future, basically. And so Christ was bad for business right off the bat. And they get fed up, right? And they drag him to the authorities and they tell him that he is seriously disturbing the city. Okay? Seriously disturbing the city and that they were promoting illegal stuff for them to practice. All right? So they get mobbed. They get stripped of their clothes. They get beaten by rods. Man, they get the mess beat out of them, and then they get thrown in jail. And, you know, they tell them, just lock them up, but the guard throws them into the deepest ends of the jail, right? And they get shackled up, hands and feet. And, you know, like the song was saying right now, like at, at that point, you'd be like, say you're good. I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation, you say you're good. Is this really your plan for me? 
Is this really what you got planned out? This is how it's going to pan out for me, God? Like, wow, like, I, I couldn't imagine myself in that situation. I think I would have shrunk back and just, I'm sorry. Seriously, I'm a coward like that. But this guy, he finds himself, they, him and Timothy, singing and, and praising. Singing songs of hymns. And I'm like, what? And it just reminded me, when we were singing this song, Thy will be done. I can only imagine them singing that. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. I can't, wow. You know, so they get, so they're singing these songs and they're praising God, and then this earthquake hits, bam, it, sh- it shakes the foundations of the jail, doors swing open, shackles fall off, chains fall off, and then there's this guard. He's knocked out. Earthquake wakes him up. He notices what happened. He grabs his sword. He's about to freaking do himself. Alright? He's about to do himself in. Paul's like, yo, don't hurt yourself. Don't harm yourself, man. We're all right here. Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. We're all here. Because back in those days, if a soldier or a guard were to let one of a, a prisoner go, that soldier would face the penalty that that, um, that, that um, prisoner was going to face. And in this case, I guess it was like they were trying to kill him already. So he was like, just going to kill himself. Forget it. I'm not, I'm not going to get myself tortured. You know, so, so Paul says, don't harm yourself. And then this guy falls before Paul. He's like, yo, what do I do? What do I do to get saved, man? That was crazy. I guess he was so moved, so touched, so like, like flabbergasted by this, that these guys didn't leave even though the prison opened up, right? And um, he asked, how can I get saved? So he gets saved. But not only that, he takes them to his home. And then his whole family gets saved. And then his whole family gets baptized. And I mean, and then they celebrate. And I'm like, what the heck? Like the power of God at work. Like God moves like in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of this beating, in the midst of this flogging, in the midst of this, you know, there's no kids in here. No, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, in the midst of all this mess, God is still moving. You know, the next day, the magistrates asked for Paul and Timothy to get released. And Paul's like, nah, dude. You, you, you want to beat us? You want to arrest us? You want to you know, throw us in jail, put us in shackles without a trial? Man, I'm a citizen. You better, you better come over here. I'm a citizen. You better come over here and get me out of here yourself, bro. Because now you want to you do all this in secret and then try to push me out in secret? Nah, 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 dude. That's how Paul was. I like him for that. Um, I mean, basically, he was trying to cover himself. Well, the magistrates try to cover themselves, and he says, certainly not. Like, he tells the police to tell them to come over here. So they do. They come. They apologize. They escort them out. And Paul and Timothy leave. And then from there, if we go to Acts 17, that's where he ends up in... Where are you? Why can't I find you? See how nervous I am? Um, yeah, that's where they end up in Thessalonica. And it says, then they traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, right? Where there was a Jewish synagogue. 
As usual, Paul went to the synagogue and on, the, on, on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks who were Gentiles, as well as a number of the leading women. Here we go again. But the Jews became jealous and they brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Little did they know it, weren't, it wasn't the men but the God that they served. And Jason has received them as guests. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials who heard these things. So taking a security bomb from Jason and the others, they released them. So basically it's like, fork over your money, fork over whatever you got. And they released them. So Paul starts off, says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. This is on the contrary. After we have previously suffered, we were treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. You yourselves know. You were first-hand witness. You, my, you are my exhibit A. That's what he's telling them. You know this firsthand. You saw it with your eyes. That our visit with you was, was not without result. The fruit, the fruit that was born that day, people were saved. People were, were ransomed for. People were redeemed. People were restored. Even though we had been flogged, even though we had been beaten in Philippi, even though we had been um, treated treacherously and egregiously, even though we had been treated like criminals, we preached to you and many of you were saved. And, and if you read here in a few, for a few verses before, it says... It says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and, and with much assurance. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. All right. So basically, he's like saying, look, we, we came and there was much fruit. But you got to understand it wasn't because of our words. It wasn't because of our fancy speech. It wasn't because of our intellect. It wasn't because we were smart. It wasn't because we were witty. It wasn't because any of these things. It was because God Almighty, the Holy Spirit was working in you. The Holy Spirit had drawn you near to God and you turned to God. And many of you were saved that day. And even then, like... Jews got jealous. So they formed this mob. And this is on the contrary. After we had previously suffered in Philippi, we were emboldened. So basically, the first point I want to make is that gospel ministers endure suffering. Gospel ministers endure suffering regardless of the situation that they're in, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the pain. It says, 
We were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. Opposition comes from the word agon, which we get our word agony from. In spite of great agony, in spite of great hurt, in spite of great pain, in spite of all this, 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 this suffering, we preach the gospel to you, not in fancy words, not with great, you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to come up with a word for it. This is not, it wasn't fancy, it wasn't brilliant, it wasn't amazing. But they preached the gospel in spite of the great opposition. They weren't chumps. I wonder how it would look like for us in spite of the opposition we might receive. And honestly, as a congregation, we're we're different. The gospel we preach is the gospel. It offends people. It makes people go wild. It makes people go crazy. It makes people say all kinds of nasty things. The gospel we preach is not something to be played with. And yet it's beautiful. But many people don't hear it. Would we be bold enough to continue preaching? See, because many times people think that, oh, oh, this is just about the preachers, just about the ministers that get up behind a pulpit. No. What about the everyday mom that speaks this gospel or shows this gospel to a child that turns around and is completely rebellious? (laughs) What about a manager from a store dealing with people and you're trying to show this gospel and they turn around and they, and they try to bite you and tear you into pieces? Would you continue to show this love? Would you continue to show this grace and mercy that this gospel provides us? So in spite of great opposition, in spite of any agony that you might face. See, but that's the thing here. I can ask you to do it and, you know, start huffing and puffing and build up some momentum. And I don't think we will be able to do it on our own, though. Check, it out. Check out what it says there. It says, we were emboldened by our God. I mean, they're in a prison cell praising God. And I think that's one of the areas we lack in, man. I, I know I lack that for sure. As I was studying, or attempting to, really, I knew I had to come to God. Father, I have nothing without you. I can't do this without you. I, and yet, I refuse many times to just come rest in Him. So that I can get up here today and, 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 and chop up this word, break this bread. We are emboldened by our God to preach the gospel. We endure suffering 
Not because we're masochists, but because God is not only with us, but he's in us. And that's what Paul was experiencing. That's what Paul was, was doing, basically. And, um, and not only that, not only did he endure suffering, but in the midst of suffering, he, he didn't waver. He didn't drift. Which takes me to my next point. It says, which, gospel ministers cut it straight. It says, for our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Gospel ministers cut it straight. In other words, they're sincere and transparent when coming up to preach. Or in any setting, really. You know, it says, Free, it didn't come from error. Basically, what he was trying to tell these guys, look, you know, we're, we're not wrong here. And I know we're not wrong because our foundation is the one who authored life. We're not wrong here because it is God that has provided this gospel. It is God that has uh, sent his son Christ to die on a cross for us. It is God Almighty. So that's where we preach from. There's no error in God. He makes no mistakes. This is what he was trying to remind them of. You know, because there's a lot of confusion going on in Thessalonica. You know, there's a lot of opposition. People falling back into their old ways, falling back into old habits. You know, stuff's just going on. And he's just trying to remind them, you know what? There is no error in God. And that's why we preach the way we preach. It's why we endure suffering while we do it. And there's no impurity in it either. In other words, in other words, there's no impurity in it. There's nothing in this message that we're preaching that comes from us. You know what I mean? There's no opinions. There's, my, my opinion is not in here. So we're cutting it straight. It's not, it's not that we're beating around the bush with you. It's not that we're trying to dilute the message. It's not that we're trying to water it down. It's not that we're trying to tickle your ears. It's free from impurity. It's free from us because you know what? We do want, I, I want you to like me. I want you, I want everyone to like me. And yet, it's not about that. It's about this message being free from this error, being free from this impurity, and not only that, but being free from deceit. There's way too many so-called preachers preaching a false message in the world today. So we're trying to tell them, you know, it was without deceit. We were trying to deceive you. We were trying to lead you astray. Gospel ministers cut it straight. They take time to expose God's word correctly. Like, like our pastors. And I honor them for that. Because they devote themselves to the word to be able to bring us a meal that takes like 
a whole week to devour, you know what I mean? And I, and I praise him. I praise God for that. Gospel ministers cut it straight. Not only that, but gospel ministers are tried and approved. And this goes back to the suffering. It says in verse 4, Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but rather God, who examines our hearts. And this word approved that pops up here, it's not so much about being approved, but being tried and proved. Not so much about somebody patting you on the back, but about going through the fire and you walking through. So he's saying, you know what? God Almighty has entrusted me with this weighty gospel. Not, not because I'm a good person. Not because I'm smart. Not because I'm great with people. Not because, you know, I have the latest tactics of, of growing a church. Not because, hey, we're so modern. No. It's because there is a trying, there is a, a, a humbling of oneself in the midst of, of study. There's a, there's a humbling, uh, there's God humbling men. God literally squeezing the life out of men, squeezing the juice out of men. Because it's in that that I believe that a man really starts depending on God. And, this, you know, they start turning away from themselves, start, stop relying on their intellect, stop relying on themselves and in their wit to try to convey a message that's already there. So not only are gospel, you know, gospel ministers, do they endure suffering, or cut it straight, but they also are tried and approved. So, and because of that, we don't have to, we don't have to seek the approval of men. We don't have to seek the approval of people. We don't have to seek the approval of anybody, really. We, we are confident that this gospel message is powerful, that this gospel message saves people, that this gospel message transforms and changes lives. And it's why we herald it. It's why we push it. It's why we, we throw it in anywhere we can. Because, you know, because not only does the gospel matter, but people matter. Lives matter. And if it is God's will to redeem them, then it is our job to preach this. All right, so... So we speak not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. I mean, I look at, at examiner, examines our hearts, and I think, oh, sorry. Like, forgive me. And then it really hits. It's not funny any longer. Like, forgive me. You examine my heart? Like, I, I know, like, some of the things I think. 
and they're not pretty. You examine my heart. You know what's in my heart, man. You, you, you died on the cross to pay for what's in my heart. And it's why we do not preach to please men. But because he paid a ransom that I could not pay. And we want to offer that to people. But we never use flattering speech as you know or had greedy motives. God is our witness. Here, And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. I want to say here, gospel ministers seek favor from God, not from men. It goes hand in hand with the last few verses. Gospel ministers seek favor from God, not from men. We continue pushing, we continue preaching because It is God Almighty who wills it for people to be saved. And if we are in a setting where people need to be redeemed, then we ought to speak up. And I know it sounds plain. I know it sounds too simple. Thank God that it's like that for us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have an opportunity to speak. Otherwise, we wouldn't have an opportunity to share the gospel. So we seek favor from God, not from men. Although It continues going on. It says, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. I mean, we could have laid this weight of our our title on you. We could have just made your servants, really. Fetch me this, fetch me that. Do this for me, do that for me. It says, "I, I, I could have, this title... That me being a leader, we could have laid it on you. We could have just, you know, just bogged you down with work. We could have done all that. But no, we, we, we were gentle. This word gentle, it comes from, um, it's, a, it's, kind of try, it, it's a weird translation that they have here because what Paul is trying to get at is like, we, we, we weren't like trying to lord it over you. We were like children among you. We actually, we were, we were like, I don't know if you've, I know my girls, like, sometimes they're mean to each other, but most of the time, one sees one staring at the other, drinking or eating something, the other one looks up, oh, have some. And I think this is the picture he's trying to portray and actually remind them of. It's like, remember when we were among you? We weren't, we weren't like trying to lower. We weren't acting all haughty. We weren't freaking chins up in the air, chest down. We, no, man, we like normal people, normal like kids. 
living life with you, sharing with you. And um, and these are some of the some of the qualifications, if you would, or some of the characteristics of of an overseer. In in First Timothy chapter three, it says, "An overseer therefore must be above reproach, the husband of a wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy." Basically, it's like we don't push people around because they don't get the gospel fully, but we slow down for those that may not understand. And we invite them in and we pray with them. We fast with them. We cry with them. We yearn with them. This is what he's trying to tell them. That's how we carried ourselves amongst you. Like this is not we, we we weren't we weren't bullies, we weren't pushing you hard, right? Father. Says we cared so much for you. So that point <laughs> that point there was our, our you know gospel ministers are humble and docile with those that God has entrusted to him or them. We humble ourselves, which is a difficult thing to do because in in my human nature, I don't I don't want to humble myself. I'm a pride fool. I'm a prideful fool. You know? I really am. So when somebody says, you know, oh that person's so humble and or tells me, Oh, you're so humble, no, it's like you don't know how much I have to struggle to get myself down. And put others' needs above my own. Put others before me. Treat them as if they were gold. Treat them as if they were a treasure to be sought after. And we're humble and docile with those that God has entrusted to them. Not only that, but gospel ministers don't just deliver a message but devote their lives to the flock. They devote their lives to the people that they deliver this message to. It says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Saying like, man, I wasn't just getting up there and preaching, preaching a message every, every day or every weekend, every, every Sabbath day. I wasn't just preaching a message to you. We lived amongst you. <laughs> there's this, um, there's this saying that says, uh, 
a shepherd always smells like his sheep. I just imagine that. It's like, oh, you stink, bro. Get away from me. And you think about, you think about that, and it's like the, the troubles that go on in, in a family, the, the, the weight that there is to be able to lead a group or, or a church, really. I think about my pastors, and you know, this had me thinking about them. I'm like, wow. I need to pray for them more. Because gospel ministers, they don't just like, preach this message. They do what Christ did, really. They follow after that. See, Christ laid down his life for a group of people that did not deserve it. Christ paid a ransom for people. And he laid down his life. He paid a ransom on this cross. He, he, he paid for all of our sins. And now he appoints these men. He gives us the Holy Spirit, yes. But then he appoints these men to lead us. And then we turn to them whenever we need counsel. We turn to them whenever we need, you know, a, a boost or something. Something like we, I'm, I'm dying over here. Like there's times I, I hit them up like at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, yo, like. I, I really don't got no complaints, but I need, I need, just need to let something off my chest. Pastors that are listening. And it's like, man, like, and I look at that, and, and this is Christ's like, this is what Christ would have us do. You know? Not just deliver this message, but devote our lives to the people that we minister to, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at school. The people in our influence, the people in our circle, in our immediate family, or in our like, second, third, fourth family, I don't know, that we would devote our lives to them. And I just want to take this time and ask you for forgiveness. I haven't done that. Forgive me. I think that was the biggest burden of this whole study. That, man, I'm given this privilege to talk, but talk is cheap. I want to just open myself up and make myself available to anybody here. Whether it's for prayer, whether it's for fasting, whether it's for, I mean, I don't really fast, if you can tell. But, but I'll do it. <laughs> and I want this love that I feel for the church, that I have for the church, to be tangible. To be real. Not to be just words. Not to be just fancy sayings and quotes. Forget all that. Stuff is for the birds, yo.
I want to be a call away. Oh, you know, something like that. And I think that's what Paul was doing for the Thessalonians. And in their midst of their confusion, in the midst of their trouble and, and their oppression, it's like, remember that. Remember that, man. Like, be encouraged. Be like that amongst yourselves. You know, don't, don't just say you care, but actually care. You know, and I'm not saying, okay, you, this is what makes out a Christian, you know, makes you out to be a Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm saying because we have this gift, I'm saying because we are Christian, this is the fruit we ought to bear. Here, at home, at work, everywhere we go. And I'm not saying we're not going to fall short of it. Because I constantly fall short of it. Because I feel like I fell short today. I fell short right now with this lousy sermon, really. And yet, I want to take that time and once again tell you guys, I'm here for you. If you don't have my number, look for it. Find me. Beg me for it. No, 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 don't beg. I'll give it to you. It says, for you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so we would not burden any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. So this guy, not one time did he lay any burden on them. Not one time did he lay, you know, like the Pharisees would do, preaching one thing and having everybody Pull, pull the weight and not lifting a finger, basically. It wasn't like that with them. It's like he cared for them, that they devoted their lives. They gave themselves. They, they, they were one with them. They were part of the family. And they worked night and day so that none of these people would have to be uh, burdened by them. I mean, this guy was a leather worker, by the way. He didn't make tents and all that. So I believe that's how one of the ways he did keep up with himself and he says, working night and day, and we preach God's gospel to you. And I think if I can add a point to this sermon, it is that gospel ministers simply preach the gospel. We preach that there is a God who is holy and that we have betrayed there is a God who is holy and that we have crossed. There is a God that is holy and that we have sinned against. And this God, in his mercy, in his grace, has provided a means for our salvation. And that means his name is Christ. Jesus Christ. Clung on a tree battered and bruised. Endured the pain that we would have to endure for eternity. And if we believe, we can be saved. 
That's it. That's what gospel ministers preach. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much uh, for this um, time that we've had together. Thank you because you don't let us down. You are with us wherever we go. Thank you because you embolden us. Thank you because we can humble ourselves before you. Thank you because we can rest in you. Thank you. Thank you because you've provided all of these good things, great things for us. We don't deserve anything from you, and yet you continue to lavish us with your goodness. Thank you, Father. I pray that these virtues really would spring forth from each and one of us here. We may not all be behind this pulpit. We we are all ministering somebody, some way, somewhere. May we carry ourselves this way. May these be the marks of our lives. Of true gospel ministers, Lord. May that be more evident in our lives than ever before. Especially here at Reconcile, Lord. And around our city. Thank you. It is in Christ's beautiful name that we pray, Father. Amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconcilechurchmiami.org.